Let's not leave that place too quickly. Let's pray. Father, we just want to spend a few more moments just contemplating what we've just been singing about. The amazing grace of our Lord, who loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son, who would die in our place, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Not only do we have a relationship with you now, but we are forever yours and you are forever ours. And so, our God, we just want to thank you this morning and thank you for this moment, this present moment that we are together singing to you and to each other about the great theology of that hymn, reminding each other of amazing grace not because of anything at all we deserved or did, but because you are a gracious God, full of love, who reached out to us when we were running away from you and drew us to yourself and have placed us in this great family of God, in this local body, that we might Lift up our hearts and praise you and worship you with our lives and honor you with our lips and contemplate you all the time with our minds because you are the one we love. We pray this in Jesus' name. In about 15 minutes, there will be some people who might arrive thinking they're going to be early for church. (laughs) We'll try to go on as if everything's just fine. A number of years ago, um, we were vacationing in Florida and I made this assumption on a Sunday that every church service is 11 o'clock, no matter what church you go to. And I I thought I was in pretty good uh, stead because it was that uh, great church, First Baptist Church of Orlando, Florida. So I got the family all together and we went to church for 11 o'clock. And um, as we drove into the parking lot, we noted that, wow, these people really arrive early for church because all the cars were settled in the, in the parking lot. It's a very organized church. And we walked in, and, and everybody was worshiping the Lord in, in song, and we thought, well, that's, that's great. And so we joined in, and the pastor got up and offered the benediction. <laughs> it was all over. The kids said to me, this is the greatest service we ever went to in our lives. <laughs> They say, can we have services like that at home? (laughs) So, we'll just uh, carry on. You okay, Pastor Ken? I know when you lose an hour of sleep, it's a critical thing for you. So, I just want you to know and just sort of tip you off that I might be asking you questions as we go along. So stay on, your, stay, stay on your toes, all right? As you wrote, I know you wrote goofing around at a Chris Tomlin concert last night while I was home in the Word. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
I got to do more visitation now this week for that. <laughs> you know, in a few moments, we're about to gather, as, as is obvious, we're about to gather as a church family at the table of the Lord together. And the Lord invites us to come to this table. He invites his children to come, invites his family to, to be part of it. Jesus Christ is the host of this. And, and there's, a, there's a, a, a phrase in the scriptures that we always refer to when we gather at the table of the Lord, and you're familiar with it. It comes right out of 1 Corinthians. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we use them in particular, those two key phrases We proclaim the Lord's death. We preach the Lord's death. That's what it is when we gather together at the table of the Lord. We we proclaim to each other and to anyone who is gathered to watch us that Jesus Christ has died in our place, that we do not have to pay the penalty of our sinfulness. It's an amazing thing that we commemorate, we celebrate, to think about it, that, that we have been set free as we've just sung because of what Christ has done for us. But we also remind each other that all of this as we gather together is until he comes. We not only celebrate what Christ has done for us, but we look forward with great anticipation and great enthusiasm for the coming of the Lord until he comes. This promise is tied in with the Lord's table. As he has given his life for you, he will also come and get you and take you to where he is that you might be with him also. For all eternity. I want to turn our attention this morning to the very concluding parts of the book of Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, which is, which is referencing this very thing, the coming of the Lord. And um, Daniel has just been told in, in, uh, at the very beginning of the chapter that, that the, in the future, just before the Lord returns, it's going to be the worst of times. And then the Lord gives them some mathematical dates here, some mathematical time that says, and this is when the best of times is going to begin. So we go in chapter 12 from a description of the worst of all possible times in all of human history to the very best time that is yet to come. Quite a contrast in one chapter. Because in verse 12, of course, in this chapter 12, it says, blessed The blessed is yet to come. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. So when we're talking about this this trouble, this trial, where they asked how long is this going to be, and and basically how long is this ordeal going to be, and you know when there's an ordeal in your life, if you have a time frame of some sort that this is only going to last For this amount of time, it makes it so much easier for you to bear. It's when you don't know when this ordeal is going to be over. It might go on and on and on. But but Daniel is told, no, this ordeal is a time limit to it. So you can hang on with hope. And for any of us, we hang on because we know the Lord is coming again. We know he is coming to get us. And we also know that this is not as good as it gets. Regardless of how good your day is, and many of us have both good days and lots of not so good days, but whatever, this is not as good as it gets. 
We are looking forward to something amazingly wonderful. And we are to keep it going until Christ returns. Because what is talked about here is the most wonderful society ever that is before us. There's no historic comparison. It is when Christ himself... Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ being the commander-in-chief, the, 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 the ultimate sovereign over all the affairs of mankind and, and, and on, this, on this earth, ruling and reigning. And it's, uh, of course, what the Antichrist is horribly and illegitimately attempting to grab in the last days just before Christ returns. And set up this counterfeit uh, kingdom. And, and we're taught in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation, not, not just people, not just God's people, but you realize all of creation is an, in anticipation, waiting for the sun. It says, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Every living thing, all the things in the universe are waiting in anticipation for God to reveal those who are truly His and restore. To the universe, restore to his creation its pre-fall reality uh, and this great vent. And this is what Daniel's being taken to, to be enthusiastic. Uh, There's been so much trouble in Daniel's life. And keep in mind, he's still in exile. He's now gone into exile to the next kingdom, into the Persian kingdom. And, And the Lord God ends this prophecy with great encouragement to Daniel. Hang on, Daniel. Hang in there, Daniel. Because there are great things yet to come. And so I want to share with you this morning uh, three truths that are going to shape the look of Christ's coming. Three things that are going to shape the look of Christ's coming. In particular, I'm going to, to utilize the terminology around the ideas of the wise. Who are the wise? What do they look like? I want to start at verse 9 of Daniel chapter 12. Or sorry, verse 8. We've already looked at this a little bit, and I'm just cutting in, but I want to focus this morning on the last three verses, 11 to 13. But let's start at 8. I heard, but I did not understand. The, the Lord has told him that the, the, the um, really horrible time is going to be a time, times, and half a time, and then power will be broken. When power is broken, uh, the holy people is finally broken, uh, things will be completed. And then Daniel says to the Lord, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all of this be? What's the point? I'm I'm not getting it. I'm not really sure I understand in the fullness what you're talking about, Lord. And then the Lord replies, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up. In other words, in this great time of tribulation, this horrible time on the earth, from the time that worship is put out of business, in effect, at least put out of official and formal business, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is he... Or blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335th day, or 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So Daniel says to the Lord, I, I did not understand. And God basically says to him, you will. 
or at the very least, the people who were alive at that time who belong to the Lord will understand because the wise will understand. That's what's characteristic of those who belong to the Lord versus those who are wicked or don't belong to the Lord. That's one of the distinctives. They understand the things of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You remember when Jesus um, uh, arrived the first time and and was looking over the city of Jerusalem, and I I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, and and he was was, uh, standing uh, overlooking Jerusalem, and, and he was weeping. He was saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you under my wings like a hen gathers chicks, but you would not have me. And so your house has been left desolate. You will not see me again until you cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he was actually claiming to Israel, you are not going to see me again until this teaching of Daniel, until the return of the Lord, until you are ready to receive me, because the wise welcome God's word. That's the distinctive of God's people. And, And we adjust our lives accordingly. Uh, the Apostle Paul expanded on this in writing to the Corinthians and a familiar text to you that might help you to see this and understand this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15, or 14, 15, 16, uh, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God or literally receive or welcome for their foolishness to him. You know this Not just because you read it in God's word, but you know this by experience. You tell people the things of God. You share with them the simple gospel. The gospel is not complicated. That God loved us so much that he would die in our place. He'd send his son to die in our place that that we might have our punishment commuted and, and our sins forgiven. That's not difficult, but they aren't willing to receive it or welcome it or accept it because it seems like foolishness to them. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man or woman makes judgments about all things. But he or she is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so this is the distinctive that, that Daniel's being shown here, that even during this great time of distress and tribulation, Daniel, there's going to be this distinctive, and, and it's going to be set up along the lines of the wise and the wicked. The wicked are not going to understand. Evil may, uh, will pound mercilessly. Tribulation will sweep over people like a hurricane with hurricane force waves. But, but the people who are wicked, Daniel, you can bank on this. They will not understand. They won't know what hit them. They won't know which way to turn, and quite honestly, they don't want to. This mess you long to be rescued from, they really don't. Uh, They don't aspire to deliverance. They prefer to step over each other. They prefer dominance. They aren't made pure by fire. They are just made more violent. Daniel, this is the deal. The wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand. But here, Daniel, here's the the point. But those who are wise will understand. 
Daniel, um, the wise always understand. Those who've been drawn into an awareness by my spirit will understand. Those who are truly mine, they will understand. They understood the first time, Daniel. Daniel didn't know about that, but we do. They understood the first time. Uh, Philip, the uh, disciple, newly become a disciple of Jesus Christ, in uh, John chapter 1, verse 45, was addressing Philip. And he said, we've we've found Messiah. And, And he says this to him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. It was by the word of God that they were drawn to the truth of Jesus Christ. And and Daniel, it's the same way at the very end when Christ comes again. When this great time of tribulation will take place. Those who truly belong to God will search the scriptures. And the scriptures will come alive in their hearts. and, And many will turn to him. Many will turn to Christ and be prepared for his coming. They will be the kind who are looking and preparing for Christ. Jesus told the the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13. We won't take the time to to go there, but but the story is this, that there were five, it's called their five wise virgins. And it says that they were wise because they kept their lamps, what? Full of oil. In preparation for what? The wedding, the coming of the bridegroom. And and, and the the, uh, foolish virgins did not. And it says at midnight there was a great cry, the bridegroom has come. And the the foolish virgins were running around at that time trying to to get some sort of preparation going. But it was too late. The the virgins who kept their oil full and ready, who were ready and expecting the Lord, uh, they were the ones who went into the marriage. They were the ones who celebrated the coming of the bridegroom. And, And so the teaching of the Lord is always looking and preparing, being wise making sure that you're living your lives expecting the master to come at any time. That's the teaching of the scriptures. In Zechariah chapter 13, which is companion to Daniel's prophecy here about the coming of the Lord, it says, on that day, in particular in verse 9, I will refine one-third of Israel, and they will call on my name. And I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. There will be a great turning to the Lord. They will search the scriptures, and and they'll go back to this text in Daniel. And they'll look here, and they'll say, the sacrifices have been abolished. There's been an obscene desecration. Worship has been put out of business formally. And they turn to the Lord. And, and in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 4, and, and, and also chapter 14, it talks about 144,000 Jewish witnesses who go proclaiming the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? And in, in Revelation chapter 12, 14, it says there that many of God's people he will put into hiding in refuge in the wilderness to protect them. They will know because they will understand the word of God, Daniel, and they will turn their hearts toward me. Be encouraged about that. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.8 and said, the crown of righteousness will be awarded on that day to all who have longed for his appearing. 
Because the real can't wait for the Lord to come. Those who are genuinely his can't wait. When we gather around the table of the Lord, when we're together here, I I can't tell you the number of times that people have come to me on a Sunday and said, I wish that every day could be Sunday. I wish we could always be together like this. I wish we could always be worshiping the Lord and, and, and being together as a family, the family of God. Don't we long for that? Isn't that what draws our hearts? And it is to those people, uh, to them, to us, uh, as we gather, we long and, uh, and long for the coming of the Lord. And we gather at the Lord's table and we're reminded that he died for us. And then this phrase, we always celebrate until he comes. And we remind each other that the Lord is coming again. And we love to say to each other, Maranatha, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And secondly, here's how you know who the wise are. The wise will understand. But in verse 12, it says, The wise are the ones who wait to the end. They wait it out. There are no rewards for starting something, you know. At least, I'm not aware of any awards that start, although... Some of the Mamby Pamby sports stuff now, they might as well give an award right at the start because they're going to give you a participation medal anyway. We've tried to get rid of any participation medal out of our, out of our uh, house. You don't get rewarded for the front end. You don't, get, you don't, you don't, you don't uh, go to school and they give you your degree the first day you show up. You've got to finish that, you've got to finish that program out before they're going to give you anything, right? You don't, you don't start at a race and at the starting line, they give you a ribbon because you've won, George. You've got to go the whole thing. You've got to run that race. And win. They, you're not getting any prizes, you know, for getting married. Anybody can get married. Trust me, I marry a lot of people. Anybody can get married. <laughs> it's staying married that gets the rewards, right? Guys, give me the amens, boys. It's going to go better for you all day long if I hear a lot of amens. Because she's listening, believe me. You, you, get, you get rewarded for sticking it out. Too many take on the Christian uniform and play on the team for a while. And when it gets tough, they bail. It's going to get tough, really tough, Daniel. But the blessed are the ones who Wait. Stick it out to the end. Are there at the finish line. While the others are turning back or turning away. You know, when Jesus was here among us, walking among us, he had a whole bunch of people just cut out on him. John chapter 6, you can read that. He turned around to his disciples. He said, are you guys cutting out too? Ken, what did he say that? Still with me? You hanging in there? What was the response? Lord, where would we go? You have the words of life. You alone. And so he says to Daniel, this waiting time in this great time of tribulation, and it'll be time, times, and half a time. It'll be... A set time. Now, um, you're seeing some numbers here, like 1,290 days and 1,335 days. 
And some of you, you've, you've looked, you've checked out your Bibles, you've checked out Revelation, you said, you know, time, times, and half a time I read in Revelation was 1,260 days. How come it's 1,290 here? Inquiring minds want to know. Well, you need to know that, that the 1,260 days is the reference to the, the time, times, and half a time is right. And it says there 42 months. In the time when they were marking time here, they didn't have like February 28th, 28 days and a leap year and all that kind of stuff, or 31 days in January. They had 30 days every month. That's the way it was. Simple. Easier to remember. Until the scientists mucked around with things, it would have been a lot easier for us too, but there we go. We have all this different months, days in the month. But that's 1,260 days. But we have to account for this, this terminology here that says 1290. Well, it, it's, the teaching here is, is, when, is Messiah coming, is the coming of the Lord. So in Revelation, John's Revelation says it would be at the time of, after time, times, and half a time, so 1260 days. So what's this extra time? Why the 1290 days? Well, I think we need to understand that when Messiah comes again, he won't be riding on a donkey. He'll be coming riding on a white horse, a war horse. His eyes will be fiery and ablaze. He's coming to right all the wrongs. He's coming to, with his sharp tongue to cut down the nations. He's coming to tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That evil will finally be... be uh, uh, under attack, it's going to be a mess. And I think what we have here is a 30-day cleanup period. And the reason I say that is because later on in the uh, referencing of, of the end time events, the time between millennium and the new heavens and new earth, the battle of Gog and Magog, it says in Ezekiel 39 verse 12 that it will be a seven-month cleanup. It'll be such a mess. And I think what we have here is, is, is the Lord is giving certain key markers that it, at, at, after the 1,260th day, the Lord returns, 30 days of cleanup. Now, by the way, I think it's important as we look here to understand that, that uh, the, the emphasis here is, is all of this is over in days, Daniel. This great ordeal is not measured in great lofty lengths of years, this long, enduring ordeal, but, but Daniel, the Lord gives it to us in days. Because if, it, if we hear it in days, we can, we can take it. It's, 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 it's reduced to, to smaller pieces of time. Daniel, it's just days. Now, I think this is important for us when we think about the end of the book. We should think also about the front of the book. Oftentimes there are people who I think get a little bit confused about how they interpret days in the Bible. For the most part, I try to take it as literally as I can, as often as I can. So for those of you who think at the front end that the Lord required great quantities of time to create the universe and that each of those days represents millions of years or whatever, to be consistent, what you have to do is then interpret that these days will be millions of years. That'd be a long, long ordeal. 1,260 times millions. 
Oh, to be consistent, you have to take the same thing. These are days that is referenced here. It'll be all over in days, Daniel. So we're not giving up. Daniel, he's he's being taught this, that that while the people of that day, when, when that day comes, will not give up. They can hold on. Just hold on for those days. They'll encourage each other. Hold on for the days. They'll mark it down. How many days are there yet to come? We're not giving up. Many of you know that, uh, that text in um, 2 Corinthians that is so often used at, at funerals and is so encouraging. It, it's a reminder to us all of the, of the way things really are. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, it runs from about verse 16 on through all of chapter 5 or the early part of chapter 5. And it has to do with the, the, the idea that although we're wasting away on the outside... We don't lose hope. We don't give up. Because inside we are being renewed day by day. And we are wasting away on the outside. Have you ever bumped into somebody you haven't seen for 10 years? And you try to suppress the shock? I'm serious. It's it's unnerving. And then you realize that they're feeling the same way about you. It's, it's better when we're all growing together, right? We see each other daily or whatever. And we, like, we don't seem to age with each other. But man, when there's a gap. And, and so we are. We're, we're wasting away on the outside. This tent is, is wasting away, whether from age or disease. or the, It's the fallenness of the, of, the, of the reality. But inside, we're being renewed Day by day. And these light, it says, these light and momentary afflictions are gaining for us glory that far outweighs them all. That, that's what Daniel's people are being taught here. Daniel, hang on for these days because what's coming is amazing. And, and so we don't give. Okay, don't give up. Okay, it looks bad on the outside, but God is, is seriously at work in my eternal parts. This past week... Um, a good friend of mine passed away. A man I served with was the senior pastor I first served with uh, when I first got started. And, and um, he developed a blood cancer kind of thing and, and um, it, it took him at, at 66. I wasn't able to be at the funeral. I was down in the States, as you know. And so um, I talked to his brother and he said, you know, he, he said, we had a good conversation in the last couple of days that before the Lord took him in. And he said, he told me this. He said, I am totally devastated and damaged on the outside of my body. But he said to his brother, I want you to know that I have never, ever had a more rich experience with Jesus Christ than I'm having right now. And a couple days later, he was in the full presence of Christ, his Savior. And and this is what the Lord is doing in our lives. He's he's enabling us to hang on, to not give up, though we are wasting away on the outside, inside, where the Lord ministers to us and where we relate to the Lord, we are being strengthened and renewed. And if we will participate, we can have a growing richer relationship with God that has nothing to do with the outside and the way we are feeling or looking. 
but he is preparing us for the kind of intimate relationship that we are going to have with him for all eternity. So we don't give up. We wait. We wait for the coming of the Lord. Whether he takes us through death or we're alive when he comes, we're waiting for him. And the final is this. Or let me just, let me just mention a, a verse before we leave this that, that Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 14 and 15. So fight hard for your faith, Timothy. Don't slack off. The Lord Jesus Christ will appear. God will bring it about in his own time. Don't slack off. Fight for your faith. Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Don't take this thing lightly. Stay on the team to the end and you will be saved. Leave and you were never part of the team in the first place. Finally, Daniel, here's the good news. As for you, go your way till the end. You are going to die And then at the end of the days, you are going to rise up and receive your allotted inheritance. And that's the truth for every single one of us who love Jesus Christ. If the Lord doesn't return before, we are going to die and we are going to rise up and we are going to receive our eternal reward. And the wise, the wise will rise and receive. Blessed are the holy Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection in Revelation 26. Now, if you've been doing your math with me, you said, I, you said Rick, you've handled the 1260 days, you've handled the 1290 days, but you haven't handled the 1335 days. You should have seen the first service. I had over here like a, a, a plethora of engineers and mathematic type guys. I had, I had Ed, the CA, and Jeff here, he's always do, doing his like, calculations for his insurance stuff. I got a teacher here now, so he's into the math thing for sure. And Mr. Paramedic, I'm sure, has to know something about math to give dosages. At least I'm hoping you do. <laughs> so they're all thinking here, you got 45 days to deal with yet that you haven't taken care of. You're right, I haven't. Because it says here in the text, blessed are those who are waiting till 1,335 days. So we got 45 days to deal with. As I said, I think the 1260 is when the Lord returns. The 30 days are the cleanup of the mess. And this 45 days that are left are referred to by Christ, I think, in Matthew chapter 25 when he talks about separating the sheep from the goats. You know, in that text where he says, um, when you did this to the least of, of my brothers, you did this to me. You, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I didn't have clothes. You went and visited me in prison when I, when I was, in, was in prison. And they said, Lord, when did we ever go and visit you in prison? When, when did we ever give you any food? When did we ever give you any clothing? And he said, whenever you did this to the least of my brothers, you did this to me. The genuine, those who are truly belong to the Lord, live like they are his. They serve one another. They're kind to one another. And this 45 days, I think, is the time span between the coming of the Lord, the cleaning up of the mess, and the judging of who's going to go into the millennial kingdom where Christ will be ruling and reigning. So you have this 1,260 days plus 30 days plus 45 days equals 150. 1,335 days. 
I reserve the humble right to be entirely wrong about this. Because the Lord has given us here some very complex things. But I do know this for sure, that Christ is coming again to get us. And I believe that all of these principles are related to that. And at his coming, after he has defeated all the wicked nations, there will be a resurrection of the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. You can read about it in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. That's what's called the first resurrection. They'll be in a lot, and given their allotted inheritance, they will be reigning as priests of God. Keep in mind, the church is already priests of God. The Jews have never been called that until this time. And I believe that the great tribulation is how God fulfills his promise to Israel that the Apostle Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 11. I want to make sure you see this so you understand what I believe is going on. Paul writes to the Romans, and by the way, he's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to the church. He says this, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. In other words, that you are feeling arrogant because God has brought you into his family and you are looking down on Israel, looking down on the Jews who've rejected Messiah. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, or Messiah, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob, which is Israel. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. The bottom line is, the hardest mission field in all of the world right now is the mission to the Jews. Because there's been a partial hardening that has has caused their hearts to... They rejected Messiah and their hearts became hardened to the things of Christ. And that's why the Apostle Paul was the, the apostle who turned to the Gentiles. And there's been this great mission endeavor and mission success among the Gentile people of the nations. And it says when the full time, when the full number of the Gentiles has come in... God will turn his attention back to Israel and there he will fulfill his promise because his call is irrevocable. His gifts and his call are irrevocable and he will call the Jews back to himself. And this is what Daniel's being taught that they will understand the word of God and they will respond to the word of God and there'll be a great incoming of Jews following after Christ, preparing for Messiah. That's what Paul's talking about. I believe this great tribulation is the time that awakens them up. As they turn to their scriptures, they'll seek their scriptures. The 144,000 witnesses will be out proclaiming the gospel. They will turn and they will look and they will respond. And they will reach out and Christ will gather them into his family. And then it says in Isaiah 11 verse 9. That the earth will be filled with righteousness. As the waters Cover the seas. So, Daniel, and so, beloved who are gathered here this morning, get on Christ's team now. Relax. When it's all over, you'll be on your feet to receive your reward.
from Christ himself. The wise understand. The wise wait. The wise will rise and receive their rewards. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So make sure you're on Christ's team. Our Father and our God, you have not left us in darkness to understand these things. You've not left this a mystery about how to please the Lord. You've, you've not left the gospel, the good news of how to be saved in some mysterious dark corner of the world, but you've proclaimed it from the mountaintops, Lord. It's available in the airwaves. It's everywhere. You have told people over and over again that you are coming again to right the wrongs, to bring judgment, to gather those who are yours, those who are wise. Oh God, I pray that there be nobody in this room that would be outside of the boundaries of the wise. But would even today open up their hearts and respond to the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we go to this table now, Father, the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to live among us, lived a perfect and a sinless life, died in our place as our substitute to pay the penalty of the punishment that should have been ours for our sin. That by trusting in him, we might have our sins forgiven and be viewed by God as in Christ, forgiven. And the reward of that is the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to change us and prepare us for the coming of the Lord with whom we will be forever. So Father, we now go to the table with that truth on our hearts and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so to you this morning who have wondered so often, how long, O Lord, how long is this ordeal going to be? When are you going to settle the scores? When are you going to, when are you going to come and make everything right? Keep this in mind. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to take the time needed to make things right, to settle the score. He is going to come back and clean up the world of dirt and pain and distress and trials and struggles and abuse and injustice and suffering. He is coming back to do that. In fact, as we gather at this table, we proclaim his death whereby he defeated Satan and evil until he comes when he will destroy Satan and evil for all time. That's the celebration of the Lord's table.
Our Father and our God, to you alone we offer up our praise and our adoration and our thanksgiving. We are your servants. You are the master. We love you. We thank you for our salvation. And we are waiting for you to come back, Lord. And we are looking forward to it. In Jesus' name.